haven't had the chance to meet you yet, I'm Josh Carson. I'm the senior pastor at Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis. Want to make sure that you're aware of an incredible event that's going to be taking place September 8th and 9th of this year. It's called Mid-American Revival Conference. Many of you have been here in the past, but we have some exciting new additions to the conference this year. We have great speakers like Jerry Jones, Matt Tuttle, Jason Staple. We have an incredible young voice, Dylan Morgan. But on top of our great general sessions, we will be adding workshops this year. We're going to have a host of opportunities for you, whether you're a volunteer or whether you're the senior pastor, to come in and be fed and ministered to and hopefully equipped for revival here in North America and in your local city. We believe that every member has a role to play. And so we hope you take the time and join us at Mark, September 8th and 9th. To all of our IBC alumni who are attending Mark, we would love you to join us at an IBC alumni banquet happening in the lower level of Calvary Tabernacle following Thursday's service. This is a ticketed event. We would love you to join, but you do need to register. It's just $10 per ticket. It will be a fabulous meal. For more information, visit indianabible.college, look to the events tab, and go ahead and register for that banquet. Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Reverend David Brown preaching a message from chapel entitled, When You Can't Find North. Brother Brown always brings a wealth of knowledge and insight, and we look forward to bringing this chapel message to you. Before we do, I just want to give you a thanks for being patient with us over the summer, and we're working through some chapel sermons, but we're very excited for upcoming episodes where we really dig down into some fun topics and get some fun insight from staff. So pay attention to upcoming episodes that are special content for you, our listener. Right now, Reverend David Brown preaching when you can't find North. First Kings 19 is where we're going uh, today. And, uh, and uh, we'll read a... Uh, a, a couple of verses of Scripture here from 1 Kings uh, 19. Verse, uh, verse uh, 11, And he said, Go forth and stand in the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed, and a great and a strong wind rent the mountain and break in pieces the rock before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a small voice. I'd like to speak to you along uh, this line this morning. This is uh, a familiar passage of Scripture that uh, many of us have heard before. I've uh, Some of my earlier remembrances was of Sunday school teachers teaching this story 
when I was very young. We've all heard this story before, but I'd like to go at this perhaps from just a little bit different direction this morning, and I'd like to speak along these lines, when you can't find north. When you can't find north. Jesus' name, God, touch our hearts, our minds, our spirits here today, Lord God. You've already anointed your word. Anoint these lips. Anoint the ears to receive, the hearts to hear. In Jesus' name, we ask it in your precious name. Everyone said amen. Amen. And you can be seated. I think when it comes right down to it, uh, the vast majority of us in this room can uh, cast direction. We've lost direction at some particular point in our life. Uh, When you go into perhaps a new city that you don't know, you're not familiar with that city, and you try and journey from point A to point B in that city, it becomes very easy to get lost. I, uh, I'm not one of those individuals that I, I, I find listening to a phone and trying to find direction at the same time to sometimes be in conflict because what the recorded voice is telling me, turn right here, there's no place to turn right. Uh, it, just, uh, it, it can be a little bit of a challenge and, and we've all found ourselves in times in our life where, where we just really didn't have direction. We'd kind of lost our way. A few years ago on the book trip to Grand Rapids, Michigan, we had all got our books and we were all setting down with a fresh cup of coffee and a wonderful bunch of books to take a look through. And we missed the point that we, none of us, we, there's a number of us on the bus that should have caught the point, But uh, we missed the point that the bus driver missed the exit to turn onto 69 and come back to Indianapolis. And uh, none of us recognized it until he had gone about an hour and a half out of his way. We were way north of Detroit somewhere. And when he finally got the bus turned around, there was a sign that said, Next exit. Welcome to Canada. None of us wanted to go to Canada. None of us had our passports with us. They would have denied us entry, but that was an hour and a half out of the way. Or it was an extra hour and a half I could sit on a bus and read. God is good. God is good, right? And, uh, and so sometimes we, uh, uh, we, uh, we tend to get lost, and we, we need some direction. Anyone who's ever gone hiking before, if you've gone into the mountains or into the woods, one of the pieces of equipment you're supposed to carry with you is a compass. And it's a, it's a real necessary piece of equipment. And so, you know, the idea behind a compass is before you go somewhere, you take a reading. And you break that compass out, and you first of all find where north is. And, uh, and, and so you, if, if north is in this direction, and, uh, and the trail that I'm going to be walking on is in this direction, then I know I'm going west, 
according to the compass. And if I get lost down in there somewhere, if I, if I lose my bearings down in there some way, I can whip out the compass because I've taken some direction at the very beginning. I know I started out west. It means I can find north again with the compass and I can come back to where I need to go if I'm coming back the same direction that I went in by going east. You can't do that on a cell phone, ladies and gentlemen. You guys know cell phones have compasses on them now, but if you don't have Wi-Fi and if you don't have a cell phone that's got power, that's a pretty useless piece of technology with you. Better go with the old-fashioned piece of, uh, of a compass. Someone say amen. There's a sermon in that, but I'll just leave it there. I'll just let you figure it out and preach it on your own. We find an individual in the Old Testament that it seems to me has lost direction. Seems to me that he's lost his way a little bit. The story is told here of, uh, of, of Elijah, how that uh, he had uh, uh, stood for God, how that he had done these wonderful things for God, but in, uh, in, in a way he starts to lose his direction. You can read it in the first few verses of chapter 19 where, uh, where his life, he seems to think, is no longer meaningful. And let me just go ahead and die with my uh, fathers. He, uh, he takes a turn that in his life that it seems is decidedly different from where and what he had been doing in the book of, uh, of 1 Kings. Uh, there's there's a, a definite change here. And oftentimes, ladies and gentlemen, we, I think, are guilty of faulting Elijah here. We're guilty of putting a, a, a guilt trip, not to be redundant, but we're guilty of putting a guilt trip on Elijah and thinking that, uh, that uh, he made some great failure or some great error in judgment. And I think uh, we miss the point. I think we miss the point if we see Elijah in that, uh, in that light, because uh, rather than see him in a negative light, I see him as an example of humanity. I see him as an example of what every last one of us have gone through at some point in our life, or if you haven't, if you are the rare individual that can say, I've never had any questions for God, and God has always directed me, uh, if, if you're that rare individual, let me tell you, there will come a time in your life where you'll have a sense of loss in direction. You'll have a sense that, uh, that you need to go back and try and get yourself back doing what you know you should uh, be doing. We're, uh, we're, looking at, uh, we're looking at a very interesting individual, Elijah. We're looking at one of the great of the Old Testament prophets, one of the, uh, one of the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. We're looking at, uh, you know, Moses would be one of the, the first great uh, individuals who, when he was on earth, performed lots of different miracles. You can read about that in the book of Exodus. As, uh, as you see him bringing Israel out of Egypt, all those miracles associated with uh, Pharaoh. And, uh, and then we come to Elijah. And uh, Elijah's ministry was just filled full of miracles. It was like, wow, wouldn't it have been nice to have been, you know, the proverbial fly on the wall or an observer somewhere 
looking at the things that Elijah had actually accomplished. Here's a guy who has lived through a drought. You know, no rain for a period of time in the nation. Here's a guy who had been sustained. The King James Version says, sustained by ravens. I'd like to have seen that. I'd like to have seen ravens bringing food to Elijah and, uh, and keeping him. What, what, talk about a miracle. What a, he had, here is the individual who had, uh, uh, who had uh, 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 seen the flour and the oil never run out in the miracle uh, uh, involving uh, the woman that was, uh, was just going to, to make the uh, uh, last meal and then die because there was, not, there was a great miracle here of, of flour that never run out and oil that never run out. He had seen uh, the dead raised on, on, uh, on some different occasions here. Uh, my personal favorite is in chapter 18. He had called fire down on heaven from heaven, you know, he, had, uh, he, he, he put this little contest together with the prophets of Baal and, uh, and, and, and basically said, let's see who, whose God responds here to it. I like Elijah because he had a sense of humor. You know, in the middle of all of this, he has the, he has the humor to actually look at the prophets of Baal and say, oh, jump a little higher, dance a little louder. Scream a little louder because, you know, your God might be afar off and he's, he's certainly not hearing you. Talk about humor in all of, uh, in all of it. I mean, talk about the miracle that uh, he, he had slain the prophets of Baal. He had gone out and put some of the uh, evil prophets of Baal to death himself. He had seen a rainstorm come on the land. It's kind of like talk about miracles. Talk about miracles, but then along comes Jezebel. Along comes Jezebel, and here is an individual. If you don't know the history of it, you can take a look at First Kings sixteen, uh, and and you can see that the uh, that uh, King Ahab actually marries Jezebel, and they serve Baal. What was Baal? It was a false god. It was the sun god. It was uh, one of the chief uh, gods, it was thought, in the production of crops. And so it had to do with the soil, and it had to do with fertility. And, uh, uh, and, and so they served this particular god. And for 22 years, this woman uh, wreaked havoc on the world that, uh, that uh, they lived in. Uh, she brought a lot, of, uh, a lot of havoc here to, uh, to uh, uh, the nation of Israel. And so in fear for his life, in fear for his I read it in verse 2 here, the Jezebel, when she had heard that Isaiah had put to death all of the prophets, in verse 1, uh, uh, in verse 2, she says to, uh, sends a message to, uh, to Elijah and says uh, here, uh, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Here is the mafia queen who has put out a hit on the prophet of God. You know, that's something to be afraid of. That's something to be afraid of. Don't be stupid enough to actually say, well, it would never bother me. I got God on my side. Listen, man, there's some women you need to run from.
Just going to let that one set for a moment here. Listen, ladies, there's some men you need to run from. You are not that hard up. A little bit of practical advice there for you in the middle of the message this morning. Did you all catch it? There's some people that you need to be serious about, and you need to avoid some people when they're trying to kill you, when they're trying to take what God is actually doing in you. You need to head the other direction. They are not your friend. They are not part of your ministry. You need to be heading in some other direction. And Elijah got himself out of there and got away from that evil woman. He ended up uh, going a day's journey into the wilderness. Uh, went uh, by Beth, uh, Beersheba, sits under a juniper tree. He wants to give up. He wants to give up. Don't fault him here. Don't fault him. Because a lot of us would have done the exact same thing. It wants to kill us, and we have stood for God. We have done the right thing. We've lived right. We've walked right, and, and, and so on. And, and he knows the history. He, uh, Elijah knows killing the prophets that they didn't like. There had been a long history of, of, of prophets being put to death here. Thank you. Had a, a, a lot of a, a long history here. And, and, and so basically Elijah just says, Well, God, I'm willing to give you my life. Did he mean that? Let me tell you he meant that. He meant that. That wasn't just some throwaway. It, it was like, God, if this is where it's going to end, then I'm willing to give you my life. Well, thanks, Elijah. But no, God's got more for you to do. God's got more for you to do. And so the angel awakens him the second time. And he, uh, uh, he, uh, 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 he, he is instructed to actually eat something and uh, uh, to, to take some food because the journey that uh, he is going to go on is, is uh, going to be a long journey. And indeed it was. He goes 40 days into the Sinai Desert and he goes to a place called Mount Horeb. He goes to Horeb. Now Horeb, ladies and gentlemen, is an interesting place. Uh, I'll just help you out. You can flip to the back of your Bible. You're going to have a hard time finding where it is because there's a big debate about where Horeb is actually at. There are some people who feel that Horeb is actually uh, uh, the same name, just, a, just a, the same, uh, a different name for the same peak as Sinai was. Uh, there are some people who actually feel, some scholars who actually feel that Horeb uh, uh, was the mountain next to Sinai. That's the second school of thought. There's, a, there's a, a third school of thought that basically says it was one of the... See, in Sinai, if Sinai, if you look at a topographical map, there's a bunch of different mountains there and that, that Horeb was one of those mountains. And so ultimately what it comes down to is we really don't know where Horeb was, but we do know it's at least in the vicinity of Sinai. Now that's significant. That's significant, if indeed it was the actual uh, same mountain as Sinai. What's so significant about that? Because it was there that Moses met God. It was at Horeb, uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1, where Moses kept the flock uh, of his uh, father-in-law, and, uh, and the Lord appeared to him in a burning bush. You remember the story. 
It was there that that, uh, that, that took place. It was, uh, it was there on Sinai, perhaps Horeb, if the, if the, if the names are synonymous, that, uh, that Moses went up into the mountain and received the law of God to give to the people. You see, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, 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 Elijah that had come back to where God had first met with his people in the first place. And, uh, and so in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 2, we're reminded that God made a covenant with his people at Horeb. In, uh, in 1 Kings 19, we, we read uh, about it. Take a look at verse uh, 8 where it's referred to as the Mount of God. Horeb, the Mount of God. And then in Psalm 106, 19 here, uh, the, the, the Psalm uh, writer uh, uh, says that uh, they made a calf at Horeb and worshipped a molded image, uh, referring to what had taken place later. I, I, I see something wonderful in this, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you catch it. I see something powerful in this. When you lose your direction... When you lose your way, go back to where you know God is at. Go back to where God has spoken to you before. It's like don't just head off in some new direction. Go back to where God has ministered here in the first place. And if you're a little bit discouraged today or, or let's try a new word out on you, if you're a little bit discombobulated in your spiritual walk with God here at Indiana Bible College, let me tell you, go back to the place that God called you from and God called you to and have a new conversation with God. Just like Elijah did. Just like Elijah did. What better place to go back to? Let's go back to where God met with the nation in the first place. Let's hear from God again. Let's hear from God again. And so here we see a man who had, uh, we, had uh, we see a man who had uh, really lost some of his sense of direction. But then you'll notice here that, that, uh, uh, that the, uh, the scripture tells us that he has a conversation with God. I like it. I, I like it. The, uh, uh, if, if you take a look at verse 9 in your Bibles, what doest thou here, Elijah, in good King James English? Let me just put it in the vernacular. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And Elijah begins to open up, uh, uh, and he begins to tell God what he has been doing here. He says, God, I have been very zealous for the Lord. He said, and for the children of Israel, but the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've slain the prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they want to seek my life too. He's very honest with God here. And, uh, and, and, he, uh, uh, and he kind of pours out his heart. This is where I'm really at, God. It's like, God, I don't understand some things. I've stood for you. I've stood for courage your people to live for you. And guess what? Now my life is on the line. My life is on the line. It's, uh, here is, uh, here is an, an interesting, uh, interesting individual. I like it. I hope you catch this point. I hope you catch this in the story here because it's in, uh, it's in uh, the next couple of verses that I read at the very beginning here. Along, uh, notice the scripture says God 
came by. God passed by. <laughs> it's nice when God passes by. It's nice when God passes by. In the middle of your lack of direction, in the middle of your lack of focus, in the middle of, of you trying to figure some things out and get answers from God, it's nice God comes by every now and then. And then after God comes by, here comes wind. And the wind is so strong. The wind is so, uh, is, is so powerful that it breaks some of the rocks apart. But what does the Scripture say? God's not in the wind. He's not in the wind. And then along comes after that, comes an earthquake. For some of us who have been in an earthquake, small one, but still, it gets your attention. An earthquake will, will, will certainly get your attention. There was an earthquake that took place, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then after that, there was a fire that came along. Isn't it interesting that these are the same things which took place on Sinai when Moses was there receiving the law? It's the exact same things that take place to Moses. And here is Elijah back kind of reliving some of the same things that Elijah, that, excuse me, that Moses had actually, uh, had actually lived through here. And then after the fire, there's a, a still small voice. That's an interesting one to take a look at because some of your translations translated a still small voice. Some translated a gentle breeze. Some translated a very soft whisper. Some translated just simply as sheer silence. But God wasn't in that either. God, isn't it interesting that God was, was, was not in the things that he was in to Moses? It was like this was a new thing that he was going to be doing with Elijah here. He had passed by, but this wasn't the time that God was going to self-reveal himself uh, in the same manner as he had revealed himself to Moses. But he was doing something completely different here with, uh, uh, with Elijah on this particular occasion. What are you trying to say, Brother Brown? I'm trying to say that God was there all along. God was there. He had passed by. He had passed by Elijah, and it wasn't, in the, it wasn't in the fire, and it wasn't in the earthquake, but it was like God was there all along. It's not that God was silent. It's sometimes we don't hear God. God has spoken, but it's not, we're, we're not hearing what he's saying. And this, I think, is a clear case here of, uh, of, uh, uh, of Elijah on this particular occasion where Elijah just simply wasn't, wasn't really catching what God was trying to say to him. And he kind of really missed the point. God had passed by. God had passed by. In other words, God knows where you're at here. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing, lady? I'm just going to stop and make two side points here. A little, uh, little on the tangent side of things, but, but let me just make two side points here. Isn't it amazing that sometimes uh, what we think God is in, uh, he's not in. He's not in. It's like, don't be confused by that. Don't be confused by that. I was in a church service a few years, a num uh, okay, a few years ago. 
let's just say a few years ago, there were in that, tongue, in that service, there were 12 tongues and interpretations. I can tell you right now, not of God. Not of God. You, see, you say, oh no, Brother Brown, God was speaking. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. How do I know that? Read Paul in 1 Corinthians. When there's tongues and interpretation in a service, by two or at the most by three. Otherwise, stop it because it's not of God. Something's wrong with the picture. Something's wrong with the picture. It's kind of a, just, a, just, a, just a something sometimes we think is God, and then we realize, no, 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 that wasn't God. That might have been flesh. That might have been desire. That might have been personal motivation. It might have been a bunch of things, but it wasn't God. We have to have the discernment in this 21st century. We have to have the discernment in 2022 to know what's of God and what isn't of God. Somehow it's kind of like, uh, listen, the writer in his epistle, 1 John, tells us this. He says, Beloved, don't believe every spirit that has gone out into the world. Why? Because there's false spirits that's gone out into the world. But try the spirits and see whether they be of God or not. Let me tell you something. For what God has got, the devil has got a counterfeit. I don't have time to preach that, but the devil's authentic experience. Let me also make just one other little tangential point out here that I spit that I uh, that I, uh, I I would say based on personal experience. Uh, uh, you got to become comfortable with the quietness of God. You need to become comfortable with the silence of God. Sometimes God doesn't speak to us. Sometimes he has spoke to us before and he's told us a certain direction to go. It's like stay on that direction and go in that direction until he tells you something different. Someone say amen. amen. I get leery. I get really, this, this is just me. I'm going to preach myself today. If you don't want to agree with me or someone else doesn't want to agree with me, that's fine. We can duke that out in the parking lot later. But uh, uh, <laughs> that's a joke, folks. Uh, that, that's, that's a joke. Uh, but but uh, I, get, I get pretty leery of people uh, who try and claim that God speaks to them all the time. They get up in the morning and God tells them what color tie to put on. And God tells them, no, you, you've selected the wrong shirt. You need to wear this color shirt. And No, I want you to wear this color suit and so on. Have you ever come across some of these people? Is I'm a little leery of them. I'm a little leery of them. It's just I kind of take them with a grain of salt just a little bit because I realize a, a, a God does some things and he doesn't do some other things. <laughs> I'm doing some really good preaching here this morning. I'm helping some of you not be caught up in some stupid foolishness. Because let me be honest, we're all Pentecostals here. We're, we're, we're all Pentecostals here. <laughs> well, if it's you and me, brother, we can put 10,000 to flight. <laughs> uh, 
God only knows what we could do if we could get Ross with us back there. That'd be. <laughs> uh, Elijah has another conversation with God. He has another conversation with God. Notice he had one in verse 10. I challenge you to take a look at it. He says the exact same thing in verse 14. It's the exact same thing. It's like, Elijah, you didn't catch this. It's like there has been a manifestation here and, and God has passed by. It's kind of like you've, you've missed the point and Elisha starts in it again. Uh, and, and, and he lists the whole thing again. He says he's been zealous for the Lord. The people have forsaken the covenants. He has uh, thrown down the altars and I am left alone. And, and, uh, and people seek my life here. And clearly he didn't get the significance of, of the earlier visit by the Spirit of God. By God passing by, he kind of missed it at that particular point. Fact of the matter is, it's really quite interesting because this chapter is actually full of God speaking and God manifesting Himself uh, in the life of Elijah. He's uh, he's uh, he, he's uh, it, it shows. Look at verse five. The angel of the Lord appears to Elijah. Notice verse 7, again, the angel of the Lord appears to Elijah. Verse 9, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah. Verse 11, go stand in the mouth of the cave and, 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 and see what's about to happen here. Again, the word of the Lord came to Elijah telling him to do that and the Lord passed by. Verse 13, a voice came to, to Elijah. Verse 15, the Lord said... It's kind of like there's a number of occasions here where it's like, Elijah, why are you not getting it? Why are you not understanding what God is trying to get across to you here? And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and uh, he doesn't get it. Let's just put it that way. He doesn't get it. And, uh, and, and, and God has to go in a little bit different directions. Cut Elijah some slack. Everyone said cut him some slack. How many times have you and I been in a powerful apostolic service where the Spirit of God was moving powerfully and wonderfully, but we missed the significance of it? Cut Elijah some slack here because every last one of us, me included, and everyone in this room has been in that situation before where you've kind of missed what God was really doing here. And so along comes, along comes, uh, uh, along comes uh, Elijah, along comes God the second time. And he says to Elijah, he says, uh, there's, I, I've got some things here I want you to do. He said, uh, go and anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. He said, and while you're doing that, take uh, Je uh, Jehu and anoint him to be king over Israel. Go do some anointing here. And then anoint Abel Melpola to be a prophet. And then he says something that we should all grasp and we should all remember. He says, oh, by the way, Elijah, I got 7,000 prophets that haven't bowed the knee or kissed you that. You think, Elijah, you're the only one. 
You think you're, an, it's, it's you and the world alone. But I got 7,000 just like you. Do I need to even stop and preach that to you this morning? Do I need to really even spend some time on that with you? Don't ever think that it's just us apostolics and, and, and it's just us against the world. It's not just us, 250 or whatever it is sitting in this room. God's got more people who are part of this apostolic movement and apostolic doctrine. Scott, this, you're not the only ones. You're not the only ones. Don't, don't think you're the only ones. God's got millions of people in China. The true Jesus church, for one, is, 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 is growing massively. Other parts of the world, the Pentecostal movement and oneness Pentecostalism is growing massively around the world. Don't ever believe. Don't ever let the devil get into your head and into your mind that it's just you and you alone. And, and there's no one. God has got a church. And God has a purpose for your life and for your ministry. No matter whether you're lost, whether your mind is lost, he still has a purpose for you. He still has a purpose for you. I'm going to, uh, I, I, I'm going to help some people out right here, right now. It's okay to feel discombobulated. It's okay to feel that way. It's, it's, it's okay to feel disoriented. It's okay. How, how many would be honest and say, I kind of feel disoriented? You know, <laughs> Uh, all, hands all over, all over this uh, auditorium this morning. I kind of feel like, like, uh, like I, I, I'd like to hear from God again. And, and, and when God asks you a question, what are you doing here? He wants an answer. So have a conversation with God, just like Elijah did, and tell him, God, I don't understand some things. Oh, no, Brother Brown, not supposed to ever question God. Well, that's been a heresy in our movement for a long period of time. You can ask God questions. You can come to God and say, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand that. I don't understand something else. It's like you can, don't accuse God falsely. Don't accuse God. It's okay to come to God and say, God, I'm lost. I, I, I'm, I'm really feeling lost here. I, I feel you told me to go in this direction, but this is against me, and that's against me, and something else is against me. Am I helping anybody this morning? When you can't find God, when you can't find north, ladies and gentlemen, go back to the last place you knew God was at. Go back to the last place you knew God was at, whether it was an altar whether in your home church, whether it was an altar at a camp meeting. It's kind of like, and you might not be able to do it physically, but at least go back in your mind and go back in your prayer time with God. Go back to the spot where God met you the last time and hear from Almighty God again. Don't continue to live in, in, with a lack of direction. It's kind of like go back and, and, and receive some things from, from God here. It's, uh, it's okay to feel lost. We've all felt lost. We've all felt lost at some point or another. I've never been, uh, Brother Galleon, I've never been to Alaska. I, uh, I, uh, I, I'd like to go sometime. I'd like to get up and, uh, and go to uh, Alaska sometime. I'd like to, interestingly enough, uh, hunting would be okay. 
but uh, I probably enjoy hunting with a camera a little bit uh, different, shoot, uh, shoot some animals uh, with a camera, right? I just uh, I kind of enjoy that. But sometimes I know, uh, uh, I know you get a guide. I know you get a guide. You, get, you have somebody that, uh, that uh, 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 is going to be your directions. They, you know, know where they're at. I think, I think uh, I'm going to, uh, when that happens, and I'm, I'm going to claim it uh, here by faith, right, that I, I get to go to Alaska sometime. Uh, but uh, but I, I think I'm going to ask the guy, I'm going to play with the guide just a little bit, and I'm going to say to the guide, you ever been lost in the mountains? You ever been lost? If he tells me, nope, never been lost, I know, Brother Galleon, you know where I'm going with this. If, if he tells me, nope, never been lost, I know I'm dealing with a liar or a fool. Maybe both together. Because anybody who has been in the woods and in the mountains has got lost at some time. The question is not, not did you get lost? You're going to get lost at some point. You're going to get lost at some point here. The question is, is what do you do to get yourself out of that situation and regain direction? That's the real question. If I get a tour guide that, uh, that, uh, that's telling me he's never been lost before, I know I'm on my own. I better figure some things out myself because if this Looney Tunes heads in some other, I may have to make a decision on my own to survive myself. Someone say amen. I could spiritualize that, but I don't have time. I could bring that down and give you another sermon, but I don't have time to do it this morning. Isn't it interesting? I did quite a bit of hiking in, uh, 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 in the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, Washington, a little bit in Idaho, a whole bunch of British. You, you know, there's, there's, there's some things that, that you do before you go into the woods or go into the mountains. And uh, uh, number one, uh, you, take, uh, you, you take safety equipment with you. You take your you take with you, first of all. Do I need to spiritualize that one for you? Do you all catch that? There's some things you have to take with you. There's some spiritual things you have to take with you wherever God leads you and wherever God directs you to. There's some, some of those spiritual things. You don't leave home without them. You, you simply don't leave. You just don't do it. But sometimes when people uh, get lost... It's, uh, it's, uh, uh, it can be a real bad thing. The mountains can be so beautiful, and they can be so gorgeous to look at, but they can be deadly. They can be deadly. If you don't know what you're doing and you're not prepared, you could lose your life quite easily. And people have lost their life in the mountains, areas where I've hiked before and shot pictures before with my cameras. It's just it's people have lost, lost their life in an area. They lose their direction. They, 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 they all, of the, all of the landmarks that is around, they lose the direction of, uh, and then they go absolutely nuts. They pull stupid. Rather, rather uh, than, than just stopping, they, they start running in a direction that is the absolute opposite direction they need to go in. They're lost, but they don't know it. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. When you get lost in the woods, you know what the first rule is? Stop. Do not move. 
Do not move until you regain your sense of direction. That's the first rule, is stop. And, and I think there's some truth to that spiritually too as well because we all in our, in our lives, you all in your lives can get, can, can get lost. Don't make crazy decisions when you're lost. Don't, don't make decisions that are, going to, that are going to impact you for the rest of your life when you're lost. It's kind of, you know, I've preached too long here for you this morning. Everybody stand. Musicians come. I've tried to pour my heart out to you here this morning. I know I'm talking to people that you need a sense of direction. You need a sense of direction. This altar is open. This altar is open. We're going to have a time of worship and a time of prayer here. But let me tell you, come back to God. Come back to God. Come back to the spot that you know God is at. Come back to the spot. Pour your heart out to Him. It's kind of like you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be a, a, a very poetic. Just be honest with God. And it's like, God, I need some direction. I, I need to hear from you again. God, I believe you, you, uh, uh, you, uh, you called me. I believe you got a call on my life. But God, I'm facing this obstacle. My family is against me. Uh, I've got people that are saying false things about me. I've got this issue. I've got this issue, and it's 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 it sometimes can be overwhelming. And my challenge to you today is go back to the Mount of God, figure out where North is at, and then get readjusted and go on and live your life. Go on and live your life. Am I speaking to anyone here today? Let me tell every last one of you here, all of you Bible college students that are here, God is not finished with you yet. Let me also tell you, He has barely started with some of you. That's how much, uh, that's how important this is today. He's barely even started with you. Don't make some stupid decision that takes you totally out of the will of God. Get back into a place here where you have a, a, con a new, a brand new conversation with God. Go to the end of, uh, go to the end of, uh, uh, of uh, 1 Kings 19. You see another story. You see, God wasn't finished with Elijah either. You can go ahead and start singing. You can go ahead and play some music. God wasn't finished with Elijah either. Because read the last few verses of 1 Kings 19. Along comes Elijah, and he sees a young man here, and he takes his mantle, gets his mantle out, puts it over the shoulder of a young man, the young man, Elisha. Elisha says he's going to follow the prophet and then puts boots to the ground. He starts doing it. He goes and kills the animals that he's working with. He has a feast. He gives, uh, he gives the food away, and he starts following Elisha. You see, God wasn't finished with Elijah. Did you catch that? God wasn't finished with Elijah. 
Not only do I have more for you to do, Elijah, but I got an important task for you to do. You're going to turn around and mentor the next prophet that's coming along, who if you read the book of 2 Kings, is going to do double the amount of miracles that Elisha did. Excuse me, Elijah did. He does a, 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 a double amount of miracles there. God wasn't finished with Elijah, even in his lack of direction, even in his loss and his dismove, and he hadn't seen the significance of it. God still wasn't finished with him. And who knows who's sitting in here? I'm speaking to somebody right now. I am, I'm, 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 I'm doing the level best I can to minister to some people right now. You want to give up. You want to say, this semester is it. It's over. I'm not going anywhere further after this. It's kind of, let me tell you, God is not finished with you yet. In fact, of the matter is, He has barely started with you. And no telling what God is going to be able to, no telling who you're going to be able to influence. If you'll just figure out where north is, if you'll just get yourself back where you need to get yourself. This altar is open. Come pray. Some of you need to pray. Some of you need to cry out to God right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, you've called us. You've ministered to us. You've given us direction. In the name of Jesus. God, we, we come to you again asking for another touch. We come to you again asking to reaffirm what you're doing in our lives and reaffirm what you're doing in our hearts. Oh God, we throw ourselves on your altar again. We give ourselves to you again. We admit, God, our human frailties and our human limitations. We admit, God, that we haven't done things always right. And, but, but God, we also recognize you're not done with us. Continue to use us. Give us direction, Lord. Reaffirm your spirit here at this altar today in the name of Jesus.